0: the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. I don't know if you all know this, but of all the pieces of putting a podcast episode together, writing and recording the introduction is the hardest one for me to do. This could be surprising for the people in my life who know how much I love to monologue, but when it comes to grief out loud, it's intimidating to try and summarize not just a layered conversation, but the guest I had that conversation with, and to do it in less than two minutes. Today's guest, Pierce Freelon, exemplifies this difficulty because of the vastness of his work in this world, and also because he's an incredible storyteller with deep and nuanced understandings of grief, artistry, and pretty much everything we talked about, including scientific phenomena. Pierce Freelon is a Grammy-nominated musician, author, Educator from Durham, North Carolina. He's also a son, a father, a husband, and an astute observer of life and grief and everything in between. We originally planned to talk about Pierce's experience of caregiving and grieving for his father, Phil, a renowned architect who died of ALS, and also about Pierce's newest children's book, Daddy and Me Side by Side, which is a beautiful rendering of the times Pierce and his father spent in nature and how he's creating similar experiences with his own son, Justice. We did talk about those, but just a few hours before we started the interview, Pierce got word that an influential professor from his graduate school experience, Dr. Mugo, had just died. So our conversation expanded in scope and meaning. Pierce's story may be familiar to some of you, as I had the opportunity to interview his mother, Nina Freelon, back in episode 202. If you haven't listened to that conversation, be sure to check it out after this one. Pierce, thank you so much for taking time to be on Grief Out Loud with me today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: And I know I mentioned this in our intro, but listeners, this is the first time that we have had uh, a mother-son duo on the podcast separately. So I did an interview with Pierce's mother, Nina, um, about two years ago now. So I'm really looking forward, Pierce, to kind of hearing from you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, big, big shoes to follow. My mom is quite the storyteller and orator. So I'll do my best.
0: How how would you like to introduce yourself today?
1: Uh, well, I am uh, Nina and Phil's son, uh, Queen Mother Francis Pierce Charles Allen and Elizabeth's grandkid. I'm uh, Katie's husband, Justice and Stella's dad. Those are all the probably most important titles. I'm an artist. I make songs and uh, puppets and shows uh, and books uh, about. Things that uh, matter to me and my family and my community, from a you know, Afrofuturist, black galactic lens, and yeah, that's uh There's my intro for today. It's it's kind of a <laughs> length length lengthy and awkward bio, but yeah, I'm just uh just the guy that makes art.
0: And I know we're gonna spend a lot of our time today talking about the relationship you had with your father, Phil, who died in 2019, and about your book, Daddy and Me, Side by Side. In this moment, which loss or losses feels important to bring into the room, so to speak, or our conversation?
1: Yeah, well, loss is an interesting word. Um, My dad is passed away, uh, but I feel his presence daily. In fact, I'm sitting right in front of his altar up behind me to the left here. It's a bunch of um, black science fiction action figures. There's a picture of my dad asleep on a couch. There's some incense and candles. So I don't know. You know, an uh, astrophysicist would say uh, nothing is, is created or destroyed. It's only transformed. And I believe that that's true. I think we came from somewhere and I think we returned back to that place. So, you know, if you look at a Caterpillar, maybe you'd say that they lost something as they metamorphosize into a butterfly. Maybe you'd say they gained something or they just changed. So, you know, my dad's presence is always with me and I feel really love. That's what I feel for him. You know, part of, Air quotes losing a person is like you miss that energy um that loving energy. Let me speak from my personal experience. That has been my experience with my dad. There are lots of different types of griefs and you could grieve things in different ways, but when I think about my dad, love is the word that comes up that that love is not lost. it's it's it still lives within me and it's channeled through the work that I do. It inspires my uh parenting practice. You know, how I husband and how I son, <laughs> shine, <laughs> how I shine like a son. Um, I told you before we hopped on today that I recently, like less than an hour ago, got a call from one of my mentors that, you know, a very dear person to me passed away today. Her name was Michele Mugo, Dr. Michelle Getae Mugo. She was the chair of the African American Studies Department at Syracuse University, where I went to grad school. She was a loving, thoughtful, uh, revolutionary, activist, scholar, playwright, poet, creative, powerful light being. I don't know how else to describe her. She was she was warm. Funny, kind, but also just rigorously intellectual, principled, focused. So her quote loss, you know, air quotes again for anyone who's listening and can't see the can't see the bunny ears flopping. Her physical body has transitioned from a vessel of her spirit to uh, you know, some. Minerals and cells that will decay and reintegrate into the ground. Um, but her, her spirit is not lost. And uh, the love that I feel for her and that I'm feeling for her in this moment is, you know, it's rich. It feels very close to me. And I cherish the feeling. I think it can be scary at first because you cry like i had a good cry right before this call good good cry there's more cries coming i can feel that i'm not done crying but i'm not scared of those tears they're they're um they're precious and uh, just like she was precious is precious when i get a moment to breathe you know after the the initial just kind of shock of it all of the news there's a lot of gratitude there gratitude for how she mentored and loved me and poured into me and taught me how to pour into others. Gratitude that I'm, you know, right now holding her books and poetry and, and prose that I can, that are her leg parts of her legacy that I can dive into and be, and like hold space with her, you know, from the other side through these gifts that she left behind. I'm one of those gifts that she left behind. Anyway, th- those are those are some thoughts. <laughs> big question, big answer. Sorry, I'm long-winded.
0: You know, you talked about like just getting the news just before hopping on this interview today. I wonder if there's ways in which the grief that's coming up for your mentor's death feels familiar with the grief of your dad's death?
1: Yeah, there's familiarity there um, because the love is familiar. I'm lucky. I, I I was a well-loved child. You know, you met my mom. You already know what she's about. My dad was a sweet guy and uh, they loved each other very much. And, you know, he died on the year of their 40th anniversary. They showed me what self-love looks like you know they love themselves and each other and and our family very much uh part of my inheritance in the wake of my dad's death you know there's a lot of paperwork and business and you know there's a lot of questions and you know legal conversations uh, some of which deal with inheritance you know what did this person leave you When I think about inheritance and legacy and heritage, you know, a big part of my inheritance are those values that he left me, the kind of nurturing spirit, the um, optimistic kind of worldview, the kind of generosity and uh, attitude of gratitude. Those are all things that I inherited from my dad. And my grandmother, you know, my mom's mom, Queen Mother Frances Pierce, she used to always say, keep an attitude of gratitude. It's kind of thing that's annoying to hear when you're a kid. (laughs) But, you know, then you get older and you're like, oh, wow, gratitude is actually, like, healthy, something that can improve your mental health. Um, And it's something that when you're in the throes of sadness, can help ground, reground you back in a practice of abundance. You know, I'm sad because I miss these amazing people that I was lucky enough to be around. And there's way more gratitude than there is sadness for me. So yeah, there, there are aspects. So anyway, to answer your question, those are things, that is my inheritance. And grieving, air quotes, Uh, I'm going to, the reason I'm using air quotes on the word grieving is because I think that it's actually, you know, the word grief has, uh, you know, an energy to it, at least in in the English language and the American and African American cultural traditions that I come through. It's like synonymous with sadness. And um, while sadness is kind of a part of grieving, I think that the major emotion that I feel is actually love and the word grief doesn't fully encapsulate it. I know through practice that it does, but for an uninitiated listener who is unfamiliar with the intimate, intimate dance with grief that we will all inevitably experience if we live long enough and are lucky enough to have meaningful relationships, you know, sadness is like sadness is like, I don't know, three, 4% of it, and the rest of it is love. If you had a loving relationship, uh, grief can take a lot of forms, but I'm speaking specifically with my relationship to my dad, the correlation that I see with my relationship to Dr. Mugo. This was a dope human being that I got to spend time with, and there's sadness that they're not there anymore and that you won't be able to have those same types of experiences moving forward what about the 30, how old was I when my dad died? 36, 37 years of awesomeness that I did get to experience. That's, that's love. I'm glad that I got that. If, if, if being sad that I don't get it anymore means that I get to experience it at all. I'm like that, you know, my dad used to talk about, you know, scales, weigh the positives and negatives. If I ever had a decision to make in life, oh, you know think about it like a scale, put a rock on the negative and a rock on the positive and whatever's heavier at the end, you know, helps you decide what to do. And the, the rock of sadness, it's a heavy rock. I'm not discounting the fact that it exists or that it's uh, that it's weighty, that it's dense. Uh, But that's one rock on the, (laughs) you know, air quotes, bad side on the good side is like trips to the Eno You know, camping trips. That's what my book "Daddy and Me, Side by Side" is about. Uh, Riding on my dad's shoulders, going to baseball games. You know, eating his lasagna. You know, playing in the boom boom room at his office with Dr. Mugo. Was being exposed to you know Chinua Achebe and and Bell Hooks and Audre Lorde and all the wonderful authors that she exposed me to. Dinners at her house. You know, going out dancing at my graduation party. She's out there seventy, busting a move like there's so much to be grateful for so much joy, so much abundance. And, and that's really what it is. The, the grief is just like, Oh man, I can't do that anymore. But I'm so glad that I got to do that, you know, as a part of it too. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just, yes, yes. That, that stone in the, in the sad portion of the equation deserves to be recognized and felt in its fullness but what's there when the dust settles from the impact of that, um, you know, that, that grief-like meteor is like <laughs> this mineral-dense crater that's full of uh, awesome things and memories that I'm grateful for. Yeah, I think, that, uh, I think that love is like, that's the lesson. That's what I realized grieving my dad's death. That's what feels familiar about grieving Dr. Mugo's death, you know, and and other loved ones. Sometimes people pass away and I don't feel much. There's a grief there. It's like, wow, I guess the relationship wasn't as deep as I thought it was. You know, I wasn't as close to this grandparent as I was to the one where I was doubled over bawling, crying when they passed away. I just didn't have as much to draw from. That's what I learned from, uh, you know, really being in the, in the throes of love. When my dad died, um, that's what I'm feeling now about Dr. Mugo.
0: You've already done an amazing job of kind of painting a picture of your dad for us um, and some of the things that you've mentioned, but I'm wondering if there's a particular story about him you feel called to share today.
1: Ooh, story about dad. Let's see. Well, um, one of his favorite things that he shared with me was actually kind of related to Dr. Mugo too, because it was something that was reaffirmed in something she shared with me about fractals. It's a video called The Powers of Ten. Um, It was some like 1970s short film. It's like 10 minutes long. And it shows the basically like a couple on a blanket in New York and it kind of, I think at first it zooms out, and then it zooms in. So as it zooms out, each frame is like, what do you call that, an order of magnitude bigger than the last, moving away from the people on the blanket. Um, So the first one, you know, you're just right there with the couple, then it's like 10 feet up and 10 miles up, and by a power of 10, it gets farther and farther away. So, you know, eventually you're looking at the state of New York and then the country and then the world and then the solar system and, you know, larger, larger gets to the galaxy, then the galaxy cluster, then the universe, you know, it's just, it scales and you get an idea of how small we are as you watch this, uh, camera move out and move up. And then when it kind of reaches the edge of the known universe, it kind of zooms back into the couple in the city. And then it, by the same factor, zooms inward, zooms inward to the hand, to the skin cells, to the atoms that make up the cells and the particles that make up the atoms. By the powers of 10, it zooms out. By the powers of 10, it zooms inward. What you realize in observing this uh, thought experiment is the universe at its largest scale looks very similar to the <laughs> to the universe at its smallest scale. And um when I got to grad school and met Dr. Mugo, she talked about the um the existence of fractals in nature. Uh and that is actually I didn't know that I was looking at a fractal relationship when I saw the powers of 10 as a kid. It's like a mathematical concept. Any class of geometric shapes uh, at its smallest and at its largest it has basically the same shape not to get too nerdy on y'all, <laughs> but the, the reason I think that that's interesting is because to me, it kind of just reveals that, I mean, for lack of a better, you know, esoteric term, like everything is everything. That's, that's what, that's the truth that it revealed to me. Here's a fractal relationship with my dad, Right. So when I was born, my dad kind of took care of me and nurtured me into being. When I was born, I got to do that for my son. It's like a fractal relationship. The same way that he nurtured me, I was nurtured. uh, Or sorry, I got to provide that nurturing for my son. And here's an interesting fractal on the other end. That's the zoom in. On the zoom out, when my dad died or was dying, he was diagnosed with a disease called ALS the care that i that i took to send him off as one of his primary caregivers was so similar i was struck by this it was so similar to the care that i gave my son he needed help with some of the same things that a child needed help with it was wild als is a disease that gradually paralyzes the body and just like when a kid is little they can't walk you know they can't talk They can't eat, you know, except certain types of foods, milk, you know, liquids. Nobody's looking at a baby saying, Oh, this poor, (laughs) this poor being. It just is. And then you know that there's a natural progression. It's going to grow into these abilities. But guess what? We're going to grow out of these abilities too. And you need somebody there who's going to care for you, who's going to tend to you, who's going to make sure that you're not putting something in your mouth that you can't swallow. You know what I mean? That is an act of care and an act of love. And reframing my mindset from like, oh, my dad's losing his ability. It was like, no, this is a this is actually a completely normal process. And just like I'm not judging my kid for not being able to walk, of course he can't walk. He's a baby. I'm not going to like Begrieve my dad for not being able to walk. Of course he can't walk. He's dying. Like this is, he's on his way out of this life, not in. Um, And guess what? If I'm lucky, when I'm elderly, I hope my son will be around to be able to spoon feed me whatever I need to eat, wipe my butt, lay me down to bed, sing me a bedtime story until I'm gone and hopefully his son or daughter or beloved community whoever he's got around him will will have he'll have those resources to be able to send him off as well it's a it's a fractal relationship it's a circle it's the same i think the uh the powers of 10 helped me realize that and literally every human being who's ever lived has gone through what my dad went through and guess what the six, seven billion of us who are here now are going to go through the same darn thing. Nine billion. I don't know how many people are alive yeah. uh, currently, but we're all headed in the same direction. And, um, you know, best to best to cherish our time while here and hope for a loving uh, exit uh, and entrance um, and some love in between. <laughs> My dad had that. He provided that for me. You know, I hope... To have that, you know, on my way out, that uh, powers of ten gift helped uh, kind of ground me in that reality.
0: And this question just came to me, so if it's too weird, we can skip it. But I'm wondering, you've talked a lot about the the continuity of connection, your dad's energy, and your dad was a renowned architect, and so I'm now picturing how he left a part of himself in these buildings that he created and formed and designed. And I wonder how you think about that, of his energy being uh, embedded in these like legacy objects that he has left here.
1: Yeah, um, I absolutely feel my dad's presence in the buildings that he has designed. And you know, listen, art is spirit work. And my dad was an artist. He, he designed buildings. So among the types of buildings he designed, because he was intentional about how he used his gifts, you know, he didn't design prisons. He didn't design casinos, though he was offered contracts and money to do those things. He designed museums. He designed schools. You know, I think he's probably one of the most prolific, uh, architects of, of, black cultural museums in this country. In fact, I think he's the, he's done more, the most, in the United States. The National Civil Rights Museum in Atlanta, the Reginald F. Lewis Black Cultural Center in Baltimore, the Museum of the African Diaspora in Detroit, of course, the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. These are buildings that aren't just an expression of his talent, and his genius as a person who can kind of visualize um a structure and set the wheels in motion for it to come into being and now people can interact with it but it's it's also what's in these <laughs> what's in these buildings what's in these buildings is the legacies and the stories of so many african american folks who didn't have the space platform, you know, access to the capital and real estate to tell their stories. He created these, yeah, these vessels for storytelling that will endure long beyond his physical presence, long beyond his and my time on this planet. And that's cool. That's really cool. But there's also this way in which I remember there was this healer lady who was working with my dad and she raised a really interesting question, specifically about the Smithsonian Museum, but really about a lot of his museum work. What kind of toll does that take on a human being to kind of bear the weight of your ancestors in that way? You know, there's obviously a lot of trauma in the black American story. And if you go into the uh, first three floors of the National Museum in Washington, D.C., you'll get a sense of that. There are you know, records of the hundreds of thousands of black lives that were lost, the trauma of bondage, of um, perpetual servitude, of torture well into the present. The the Emmett Till's casket is down there. It's Nat Turner's Bible, you know, the, these stories of just, you know, survival against all odds, but sometimes it's not all survival. There's a lot of, there's a lot of deep harm and ancestral trauma that was healed through the work that he did in, building a space for those spirits to, to say, this is my story. And, you know, what the spirit lady said was, you know, that, that has an impact. If you could imagine the holders of these stories, the the triumphant ones and the traumatic ones, that spirit work doesn't just slide off your shoulders. It becomes absorbed by the by the folks who take on the uh, the herculean but I'm going to use a I'm going to use a West African deity this Hercules is you know European we'll we'll say the Oshunian task Oshun is a river spirit in the West African tradition that that task of holding these stories being a vessel for all of it that seeps into your pores and and she wondered um, if his disease was somehow related to this undertaking, that's an interesting thought experiment., uh, the taking on this responsibility, this um sacred charge of creating a a vessel for the collective stories and and legacies of uh, people. A lot it's heavy even now just every time I think about that it it impacts me at a spiritual level and you know like I said my dad was well loved and was a thoughtful intelligent loving empathetic guy um but he was he was a strong man and his shoulders were broad enough his heart was strong enough to carry to carry that load so that we can those of us who are still here can experience those stories in a, in a beautiful functional and emancipatory space. So I have a lot of gratitude for him taking that responsibility on while also acknowledging that this kind of work has consequences. (laughs) Yeah. But somebody has got to do it. That was, that was part of his journey. It's a sacrifice uh, that he made on our behalf, and I'm grateful to him. It's a noble thing that he did for us as black people in this country. So yeah, that that's I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what I that's what I feel when I think about his um gift to uh many gifts to this country
0: It, it leaves me wondering, Pierce given that sort of recognition of the responsibility that your dad took on and the creation of these locations, these holders of these stories, has that played a role in the type of creator that you are? Because you are also an artist and you are also a creator of mediums for people to engage with. And I just wondered if that's played a role in in the way you create.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean... My dad and I'm lucky to have him in my bloodline, so that's uh, that's special. I can feel certain aspects of his being coursing through me, my DNA, literally, and that's that's really dope. My friend uh, Omi Shadé, Bernie Scott, she's a healer, and just a really cool podcast uh, called The Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause." She talks about how we have ancestors in our cultural through line as well. Um, I'm not an architect like my dad, though I can learn things from him. I also have cultural ancestors like, you know, Bob Marley, Nina Simone, Billie holiday, you know, Tupac in the hip hop space, the, you know, storyteller who speaks truth to power. You know, these folks have offered me a blueprint, unintended, for how to use my particular skill set to fulfill my purpose on this earth, part of which uh, is being a storyteller, using my privilege and my voice and my talents and networks to telling a story through a particular lens that lens in my case being black experience, the fatherhood experience, the American experience And, and the genre in which I create music these days. It's through kids' media, children's media, children's picture books, children's music. It's interesting in this country, you know, we don't have a lot of tools, to engage kids in questions around grief. There are some cultures that do have those tools. You know, the, the indigenous, you know, Chicano communities have day of the dead and it's not Halloween where you just dress up and go out and collect candy. It's a ancient ritual around recognizing, honoring and celebrating your ancestors. And you know, because they have that ritual and that tradition, you know, kids kind of, you know, if you've ever ever seen the movie Coco, it's a great example. You know, kids kind of grow up with uh, an understanding that, um, you know, death is a normal part of life. And then here's a time where we celebrate it every year. You know, we don't have those same kind of mores in the, in the American tradition. Yeah, using my gifts to to tell those stories in in a culturally accessible ways to the communities that I come from is how I say thank you to my dad and to the other uh, trailblazers and influencers who poured into my uh, being and helped shape my worldview. Like Dr. Mugo, you know, she does it at the college level. Uh, Through graduate students, my graduate students are babies and parents Uh, on, you know, in my classroom is Spotify, um, YouTube.
0: Let's talk about your, your new book, Daddy and Me Side by Side. Yeah, what do you want to share about kind of the origin of that story?
1: The origin, I guess, was spending quality time with my dad. He was really into nature and uh, nature as a healing space. You know, his dad's dad, so his grandfather, Alan Freelon Sr., who was a like a Harlem Renaissance impressionist painter, used to take him out to his art studio in Philadelphia and they would go out into the woods and sit there in nature and just close our eyes and listen, you know, he would ask them, well, what do you hear? And, you know, you listen and breathe and I hear the breeze. I hear the trees. I hear the frogs, you know, it's like a form of meditation. Uh, I think in some Asian cultures, they call it forest bathing. Now it's like a healing modality. You know, my, ancestors including my dad had an affinity with nature and they found peace and grounding and love and healing and joy and curiosity out in nature and uh, my dad raised me the same way going fishing going camping uh, sitting on logs looking for worms under stones and and uh, you know teaching me uh, how to be uh, you know, loving, thoughtful, reflective individual. That's what we're doing, you know, sitting in silence. It's an opportunity to reflect, to breathe, to unplug, to to heal. These were all things that were part of my childhood. Um, so when my dad passed away, and I was grieving his loss, I went back to those places that he took me to. I went back to those creeks. I went back to those trails. I went back to those creatures and trees and streams. And I always felt good (laughs) when I left, better than I did when I arrived. And I wanted to write a book about that. I wanted to share some of those healing practices uh, with folks who are experiencing loss. I mean, and again, before the book, like, I remember one day, my son, Justice... I was taking him to school. I don't. Maybe Stella was sick that day. I can't remember why she wasn't with us. But I was taking him to school. He was feeling really sad. I was feeling really sad. I was like, man, let's just, let's just go to the woods, like instead of school. Of course, he was down with that. Um, took a detour, made a U turn, went to the Eno, went hiking for about an hour and a half. Did some meditating. Did some walking, talking. Quality time, you know, and then I, I dropped him off at school around noon. You know, it was as much for me as it was for him. Yeah, I'm just really grateful that uh, my dad exposed me to that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I've been able to pass that forward to my son. And that's really the contents of the book. It's me and Justice going on a nature walk, going fishing and remembering our pop hop very autobiographical that's kind of the backstory on how how it got started
0: how does it feel for you having it out in the world now since it it just came out in may of this year 2023 right
1: yeah yeah it feels great you know it's inspired by a song uh, called side by side which is on my album ancestors album my mom and i made Both the song and the album are just really beautiful. It's illustrated. The book is illustrated by an amazing illustrator, Nadia Fisher. And uh, we just had a show in South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where uh, I'm reading the book over a soundbed of live music. And then there's like this big jumbotron and we're projecting the book onto the screen and did like a live musical story time reading of the book you know, after the show, the the venue, the people who invited us were like, your show was amazing. We, we danced, we cried, we, you know, we loved up on each other and it's just different. Like a lot of children's music is about, you know, learning numbers and shapes. Um, A lot of it is about, you know, joy and fun. You know, I've got songs about brushing your teeth and getting tucked into bed and you know, having a dance party and all types of fun topics. But we found a way to make this topic kind of fun and engaging too, uh, and relatable for anyone who's ever lost a grandparent or even a pet or had to move from one city to another. And you miss your friends, like kids deal with these feelings of loss. I think it's important that we have books and stories and shows that expose kids to healthy ways of processing these emotions. Um, There's a point in the book where Justice is feeling emotional about missing his grandpa and his pop-pop, as we call him, you know, say, it's okay, let it out, I'm here. Those types of um, teaching a young boy that it's okay to be vulnerable and expressive is really important because there's a lot of narratives out there of like, you know, suck it up, don't cry, you know, be a man. These are the the toxic masculinity, unhealthy values that are perpetuated in this kind of patriarchal uh, culture that we live in. And I wanted to disrupt that, but also just to tell an authentic story that um honored my dad and what he taught me about fatherhood
0: well pierce i'm grateful for your book i'm so glad that it's out in the world right now and i feel grateful to have this time together to talk about it as our conversation does come to a close is there anything else you feel like you want to share or tell us today uh
1: no. I think um, you know, I would say for anyone out there who's grieving to uh, check out other episodes of your wonderful podcast and also my mom's podcast, great grief. You know, Daddy and me side by side is a great resource. and our album, Ancest Stars, I think is a great resource to for kids and adults to uh, just to check in with each other on how they're feeling uh, around loss. Uh, appreciate you having me on, and um, yeah, it's a wonderful conversation.
0: And I know you mentioned, Pierce, that you are on Spotify and YouTube. Is there any other place that listeners should go to connect with you?
1: Yeah, um, my website, my name is Pierce, like Pierce your ear, P-I-E-R-C-E, last name Freelon, F-R-E-E-L-O-N. And that's my website. That's actually my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook website. Everything is just first name, last name. PierceFreelon.com is my website. You can find everything there. Oh, one more thing, actually, that's coming up this summer is my mom and I are taking the songs from our album, Ancestars, and we're scoring a puppet show. And we're doing a 27 all-ages family puppet theater here in North Carolina, uh, every weekend for the entire months of August and September in the Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill area. Um, so if you're interested in checking out a show or, um, seeing how, you know, some, some 40 foot puppets deal with some of the topics we've discussed, I hope you'll join us here in North Carolina.
0: Well, listeners, as always, I put all of that in the show notes um, so you can find Pierce and all of his amazing work. And I'll also link to the episode that I did with Pierce's mom, Nina. And yes, definitely check out her podcast, Great Grief. It's phenomenal. So Pierce, thanks again for making time for sharing with me today and for connecting with everyone who's tuned in. Thank you. And listeners out there, I say it each and every time, thank you for being part of our community, for making this show mean something in the world. And for those of you who have reached out to connect with me, if you do want to connect with me, you can email me at griefoutloud at donkey.org. That's d-o-u-g-y dot o-r-g. That's also our main website where you can find all of our downloadable resources, information about our local programming, and each and every episode of Grief Out Loud. I'm always excited to share that our podcast is sponsored in part by the Chester Steffen Endowment Fund. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time.